This week on the podcast, we are talking with Jody Harris. She is a barbecue cook, a steak cook, an inspirational speaker, a consultant. My goodness, I can go on and on. There are so many gold nuggets buried into this episode that you need to listen from beginning to end. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The Butcher Turn Pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We have a really fun guest and a friend of mine. This is Jody Harris, an entrepreneur, a consultant, and self-proclaimed and very possibly quickly named Steak King. Wait a minute. Steak Queen. You guys better get after it. Say hello, Jody. How are you? I'm glad to be on your show today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and chatting and talking. You are so diverse that this could go any direction. And I don't know where it's going to go either. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, let's tell everybody right now where you at. I am in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Is that home? I have lived here almost 30 years. So I was raised down in Midwest City, just outside of Tinker, but I was born in Pahuska, Oklahoma, up there with... Really? I was, yes. I've got a real good friend, and we did a podcast with him from Pahuska. He owns the Old Whiting Hotel over there now. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. No. All of my family has lived up there all of my life. And uh, they actually, when they started migrating from the east, they went up through the northern route and came down through Kansas. So And just settled in Pahuska. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They just waited on someone to come in and make Pahuska as famous as it is right now. Yes. And Ree did it. <laughs> Ree has done a great job. And, and I have a trivia question about her husband, the cowboy. Yeah. Him and I. Him and I share the same birth date, and we're the same age. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Is that where you got into cowboying or roping, or was it barrels? Um, I actually, so my father was a cowboy um, until he decided, hey, I've got four kids. I've got to make a living. And (laughs) I actually rode for maybe three years. And then I gave it up, and now my granddaughter's doing it, and she loves it. That's what I was going to ask. I see a lot of the posts and stuff, and I was going to ask if that's your granddaughter. It is my granddaughter, and David, I'm so proud of her, and and she's so humble. Uh, She has five saddles, and I think at last count, she was about 25 or 26 belt buckles. Oh, my. You're just like me. One of our granddaughters shows some of our calves, and she's been winning belt buckles. I think she's got six. And every time she wins one, she has seen a couple of my barbecue ones, and she always asks me, how many you got now? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the joke between us, and, and I'll tell you, I have ordered, and I have yet to have it come in, but I've ordered a chocolate belt buckle, and I'm going to give that to her for Christmas. Oh, okay. You're going to have to share the details with me. I would love to do oh, that for my problem. granddaughter. Yeah, that's exactly what we said. When I seen that advertisement come in the mail, 
I showed it to Wilma and she says, oh, you have got to get one for Ava. Will, okay, you cook steak. What team do you cook under? I cook under She Barbecue. She Barbecue. Yes. How did you get started cooking steak? Actually, it was uh, almost three years now. We were coming home from Denver. And, you know, I've been cooking barbecue with the guys um, with Three Hog Night Smokers. And I am very competitive. Can you imagine that? No. I'm competitive. <laughs> so I, uh, we were driving home from Denver, and I looked at Dirk, and I said, I want to cook steak. And what really started it was my good friend, Wendy Osterman, and mm-hmm. she was cooking steak and did very well. And I was like, I want to do what she's doing. So a couple days later, a girl showed up, and I started cooking, and I fell in love with it. Okay. As a barbecue cook, you know, I just haven't dove off into the steak world. What is it about the steak cooking that entices you to want to do that that is different than barbecue? Well, David, as you know, um, on the barbecue side, it's a lot of work. I mean, you have your four meats, there's a lot of preparation, there's um, a lot of things you have to do the day of the comp, there's a lot of cleanup. With steak, I can load everything I need in the back of my SUV, and I can go do a steak contest. And even if it's a double or a triple, everything that I can put into a plastic tub is all that I really need. And so I really think it's convenient. And I like how quick it is. I, I probably uh, would say I'm self-diagnosed ADHD. I like things to turn quickly. And with steak, that actually happens. So you've developed your own recipe. You get it done fast. You cook it. Are you cooking by yourself with this? Or do you have any, any assistance? I have zero assistance. And again, okay. I think that comes back to me being very competitive. Um, it was really funny. A lot of people have asked me that, that exact question over the last couple of years. And so I actually um, documented my journey twice now. When I went out on my own while the guys were cooking barbecue, I loaded up my SUV. And uh, one weekend I cooked the Royal drove to Sand Springs, cooked, and then cooked at the Oklahoma Championship, scored at all three of those, thank goodness, and then drove back and helped the guys out um, doing my stuff that I do for the barbecue side. So I'm not afraid to get in the car with my stuff and go by myself. And I guarantee you, once you get bit by this bug, you will see that this is a family. Every time we meet and we cook, it's a family. You said you documented it. Where can someone follow this? I'm on Facebook. Um, I will document a lot of my steak um, journey on my personal page under Jody Harris, and that's Jody with a Y, or on my Facebook page, which is uh, she, S-H-E-B-B-Q-S, or on Instagram. But I've changed it up a little bit. It's IG She Barbecues with an S. We there's no doubt that you can cook. We know that. You you do phenomenal 
in desserts, in a lot of the ancillaries. And I'm not trying to take away the barbecue categories because I don't know if you've done a contest without Dirk or done one on your own. Have you? I have not done a contest yet. Um, we I wondered. Actually, I, I didn't know. Yeah. I was yeah. actually going to do one this year um, here in Stillwater, which is my hometown. Um, I was going to cook on some drums and just have fun with it. But I can cook a brisket. I've cooked that at home. Um, I can cook a pork butt. And I'm okay with ribs. Um, they're probably not always competition ribs, but I can cook ribs, but chicken, David, I don't like the chicken. <laughs> I don't like cooking it. <laughs> okay. Okay. What part of it do you not like? David, to be honest with you, I think it's a mind thing. So when I was growing up, um, we harvested our own chicken, you know, we raised mm-hmm. them, um, we harvested them, and that's what we ate. And I think through that process, I to me, it's just mental. I have an issue with it. So um, once it's cooked, I'm fine. But in between there, ugh, I just don't like it. Okay, so you have tasted what the guys are cooking then? Yes, yes. Steak, barbecue. Now, just thinking hobbies, what other hobbies, or do you have any hobbies? I do like to hit the little white ball. Um, Again, it goes back to ADD. After about five holes, I get bored with it. Um, So a hobby to me is a break in my reality with my family and my grandkids. And I don't like to say that that is a hobby, but that's how I break from reality and really enjoy everything that I've been blessed with. So it's not really a hobby, but that's how I spend my spare time. Okay. That's very fair. That's There's got to be a, a break of the world. And Wilma does it also. She It's out in the barn. If it's cleaning stalls or, or washing horses or whatever – she just says and tells me every time she's out there for a few hours on Saturday, she just says, remember, this is cheaper than therapy for me. <laughs> exactly. So I, I get it. I When we first met, you owned a couple different companies. And you're huge on Facebook, social media. You're just a motivational person. Tell us about those companies and what they were. Yeah, so I'm an inventor. I love taking something and either making it better or creating something that is not there. And I created a product called Zip Me Up or Zip Me. And that was to help women zip their dress up that zip up in the back because I traveled so much for what used to be my job before I retired from the federal government. And I remember being stuck in a hotel and couldn't zip up my dress. I knew when I came home and told my kids that story and how mortified they were that I actually stepped out in the hall and asked somebody to zip up my dress that I needed to solve that problem. The other item was Yet Be Gone, which was a natural hand sanitizer. And I created that because of a barbecue contest. I didn't like going to dirty porta pots. But I took it a little bit further because 
um, there's a story that goes along with it. I think there's a story and a reason behind everything that we do, but I wanted that product to be natural. So if my granddaughter would have accidentally drank my formula, nothing would have happened to her. So those are my two products that I created. That's really great. Your first one with your zip up reminds me of a saying that I use when I develop stuff. What weakness does it strengthen and how many people have that weakness? Exactly. And that's basically exactly what you did. Real life scenarios, you're standing there in a hotel and you can't do anything about it. And you you knew, you thought, there's got to be a lot more than just me like this. Yes. That is definitely so, my thought process. Yeah. So with that in mind, what steps do you take or did you think about for taking something to the market? Well, the first thing that I did was create a prototype to even see if I could put something together. I remember one time walking into Lowe's and asking for all these different parts. And the guy said, what are you building? You know, and, and <laughs> me being a jokester, I wanted to say, oh, I'm building a bomb. But, you know, I knew that that wouldn't go over well. Um, but I really enjoy creating the prototypes. And I did that with both of my businesses, whether it was the formula or where it was actually the product. Then you have to start sharing your story. And I, w- I, I do consulting now on a lot of different things. Because uh, like you said, I have a diverse background. But when I'm consulting to entrepreneurs, what I tell them is, you know your story, just like you told me, you know, your process that you go through, you have a story and you have a reason why you created this. People need to hear your story. And the best free platform that we have now is social media. And I started sharing my story. Um, it's human nature, I think, for us just to want to throw something on social media and say, hey, go buy it or, hey, you know, 10% off this weekend. But if your customer, your client doesn't know you and can't connect with you, there is a very small margin of people that will buy from you if they don't know you. People want to know who their product is coming from, how it's coming to them who's packaging it, who's manufacturing it. And and they have to hear this at least five to seven times before they will make an informed decision to purchase your product. So I go. So you need to get personal with them. You do. Yeah, that was tough for me, David, um, because believe it or not, I am somewhat reserved. Isn't that funny to even think about it is because I see your post and they are so great. I, I love all your posts and that really does surprise me. I really, I, I really am reserved um, to a point where I had to step outside of my comfort zone to share things. You know, there, there's nobody out there that's perfect. There's nobody that has, uh, hasn't been through anything. And there was a point where I thought, okay, I'm oversharing. But everything I share now is either um, a story behind why I help people, because that's my whole goal now is to help people, whether it's helping them um, save money, 
whether it's helping them um, with their financing needs, whether it's helping them put their product to market. My whole focus now is helping people. But on social media, just about everything that I post has either some way affected me or it is something that I'm having to share about a product that either I'm supporting or that I'm helping promote for someone else. And I like to share it from a place that, hey, I've used this. This is how it helped me. This is how it changed my life. Why don't you give it a try? I mean, when I go through my posts, those are the four things that I think about when I'm making a post. Okay, say that. Say your four things again for everybody. So I think about how the product helped me, what problem did it solve, and how it's going to change somebody's life. And I think I only told you three. That's awesome, though. And that makes sense because your post on Facebook is where I'm going to go with this. They're, they're small. They're, they're great. They're easy to read. And you have such a following of folks that I think are wanting a positive outlook every day. I, I agree with that. And again, I do that for, for myself as well. When I post a motiva- motivational or inspirational post, it could be that I dealt with that within the last 24 to 48 hours. And I think it's very important for people to see us in a different life, you know, that, that we're not perfect. I think today's post, um, I talked about um, five habits that you should have, but then an hour later, I made a quick little post because I was at Sprouts grocery store and I found a dryer sheet in my shirt because it was bothering me. You know, I want people to see that, yes, I, I want to encourage you. I want to motivate you because I've had these issues, but then I want them to see the real person too. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a grocery store trying to dig a dryer sheet out of, of my shirt. And I think, (laughs) isn't that funny? We're not all the Elvis Presley superstars. Things happen, doesn't it? It really does happen. And people want to see people on social media that they're real. And, And they want to see the bloopers, the behind the scenes. They don't want to see people in front of Maseratis. They don't want to see people in front of huge houses. You know, and if you... Talk about how you've been blessed every once in a while. That's okay. But people want to see that, hey, you're real and that they could reach out and visit with you. And, and David, you're a great example of that. I I know I had my niece at a uh, contest here just a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing she did was point to you and she said, hey, that's Butcher. You know, Butcher Barbecue. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yes. And. You know, you're very humble about it as well, but they, they want to see you in a real setting and then they want to support you because they believe in your mission and what you're trying to do. Well, thank you first off. And I need to get her a hat, it sounds like. She would love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do, uh, like you said, a lot of consulting. What are you doing today? So um, I am helping small businesses around the state of Oklahoma, and it's actually growing outside of Oklahoma, 
um, to capture some of these federal dollars that are out there. You know, we've just been through a history-making year with a pandemic, and a lot of people have suffered through this pandemic. But when I retired two years ago from the federal government, I really didn't want to be put back in that arena. But it's, it's unique to discover that I don't have to go back to that arena, but I can use my expertise to help people. So since the pandemic started, I have helped through the PPP and the EIDL, probably um, I've helped people get about $60 million. Wow. That is great. Small businesses too. Small businesses. Because they're afraid to put stuff on forms that they thought might be a mistake. When actually, if you're just there telling them what that question is actually asking for, it's a pretty quick process and it's really helped a lot of businesses be able to stay in business. Oh, exactly. And that is a lot what you did before. You were kind of the lazy before, I'm sorry, between the government and this business, right? Yeah, well, I was a commercial loan officer with the federal government. Okay. Yeah, through USDA Rural Development, and I retired after almost 20 years. So I oversaw um, their energy program, and I was also working with their commercial loan guaranteed program. All right, let's move over to this. I know when you had your products, you were traveling all over the country with it. And I seen some posts and some pictures where you made a proposal to the shark, Damon John. Tell us about that. David, that was an amazing experience. Um, I received a personal, my first interaction with uh, Damon John was a personal invitation to meet him in California. And I remember talking to Dirk about it. I really wasn't sure if I wanted to go um, because they didn't give you any details. All I knew is that I had 10 minutes in front of Damon John. So, wow. Yeah, I took the chance. I went out there. And actually, that 10 minutes turned into an hour and 15 minutes. And it's. Oh, wow, again. Yeah, it's because I talked to him just like I'm talking to you. I walked in. I wasn't starstruck. You know, I was respectful of who he was and what he had done, which he's done some amazing things. And I will never forget the takeaways that I took away from that meeting because he actually could not invest because he was a shark. I would have to go through that proposal um, to be on Shark Tank, which I did twice. And I would always get to a point, but then I would never make it to the final casting call. But he told me these four things. He said, Jody, make sure you own your failures, be likable, which he told me I was. He said, always be humble. And the fourth thing just really hit me in the gut. And and I I just embraced this. He said, give back. Interesting. yeah, everything that I do, I look at those four takeaways that I took away from him. Then I had the chance to meet him at Walmart when I pitched my product to Walmart and was actually successful in getting on their online store. He was there, 
and he remembered me. And then I had another opportunity to meet him at Walmart a year later. And every time I've seen him, he remembers me. But, you know, David, I'm like every other woman. I change my hair quite a bit. So I don't know if he'd recognize me next time or not. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a feeling he will. You've made a statement in his mind. You've got it. Is there anything that you want to go with? I think it's important um, just to share with with all of your listeners, whether they're a, a man or a woman, you know, go after your passions. And um, if you're a woman and you've been wanting to, to cook, look at this steak competition and get involved. There are people just like in barbecue and David, you're a prime example, even when we got started, that if you ask questions, people will help you. And I have never in my life been around a sense of community and a sense of family that I have experienced in the barbecue world and in the steak world. And I just think that's very important. Is it different in the two? Maybe to Um, degrees? To the degree on the barbecue side, we're going to see a lot of the same faces at the same comp that we travel with. On the steak side, you're going to be introduced to new people every time. And Mm. you're going to have more newbies coming in on the steak side than you will the barbecue side. And that's really exciting. That is. That's a neat. I've never heard that. So that's really, really kind of nice. Well, since you have listened, you know that when it comes to this part of the podcast, I will... Go out to my warehouse. I've got a great big injection needle. I'm going to inject you with a butcher barbecue truth serum. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You have to answer them honestly. I'm sweating. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll start out with an easy one, okay? Okay. With a lot of your travels, I know if you had to choose just one place to retire, where would it be? David, I, I love the water. I really do, and I love the beach, but if I was going to say one place, I would say uh, Wyoming or Montana. Because of the wide open spaces? Wide open spaces, a place for my family to come and visit, my grandkids to come and stay. I, I, I just really like that area. Now, if you had to compare yourself to a fictional character, who would it be? Ooh, I'm going to say Wonder Woman. I love that one. Yes. Not in the sense that, you know, everything I set out to do has a successful ending, but I'm not afraid to take that chance to go and try something or to help somebody, even if it's not a successful endeavor. Very nice. All right. This is a barbecue-based podcast so what is the craziest thing you've ever cooked the craziest thing i have ever cooked successfully was crab (laughs) (laughs) and it's not going to be uh barbecue related but crab cakes i i i'm not a big seafood eater but i love old Abbott's crab cakes in washington dc and so 
I made Dirk and I some crab cakes. And it, they turned out great. Okay. Now, what's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Shark. Oh, okay. Now, by chance, would you there when it was harvested? <laughs> no, thank goodness. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one segment left of this. You've got just a little bit of true ceremonia. What's the craziest thing that you ever seen cooked and couldn't eat or wouldn't eat? Yeah. Well, there are two things. And one's not as crazy as the other. But squid, I've seen squid cooked, but I would not eat it. And one thing um, that I don't like is whole hog in the ground being cooked. It has a gamey taste for me, and I just don't like that. Oh, two answers back and forth that I would not have expected. Yeah. <laughs> Squid and, and a pig in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jody, I really, really appreciate your time and coming in and explaining to me a lot of what makes you click. Would you mind taking just the last thought here and explain or to tell everyone where they can follow you, and your sponsors for all your cooking. Well, thank you, David. And and it's truly an honor just to even uh, be able to share some of your airtime with you. I mean, uh, I've always been a fan of you and your beautiful wife, Wilma. I love her to pieces. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And um, I would really enjoy telling you about some of my sponsors um, that support me in this crazy thing that I, I get the privilege to do. Um, Hasty Bake Grill in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I love it that they have been in business, I believe, back to the 1940s. And um, they actually sponsor me on the steak tour. I have a Ranger and I have the new HB250. Um, I'd also like to thank Royal Oak Charcoal. Uh, those guys out there um, are great. They support us and um, they let us have fun. I know uh, when we, Dirk and I, during uh, shutdown uh, because of COVID, we, him and I actually had a steak cook off. And uh, Craig out there at Royal Oak, he was right in the middle of it and very supportive of us. And, and that's exciting when you're sponsors get behind what you're trying to do. And then a good friend of ours, um, Darian Cosmo, um, he supports me um, through some of the seasonings. And that's really exciting as well. So I, I really want to thank all of them uh, for believing in me and, uh, and letting me do something that I find a lot of pleasure in. That brings up one thought of mine. I, when you talk about you and Dirk cooking, how far have you traveled to do a steak contest uh, by myself or with Dirk? Uh, either I don't care. So I have traveled down to um, far west Texas um, to cook by myself um, with Dirk, Kansas City. Oh, and this weekend we're actually going to Omaha. So in all my travels, I've never been to Nebraska. So I'm very excited to get to go to Omaha, Nebraska, and cook. Okay. So, yeah, you've traveled six, eight, 10, 12 hours then. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's nice. I, I was just curious what, uh, for a, a really small time frame, how far would you travel to do that? Well, to be honest, I'm looking at a contest this month in Alabama. 
And if I oh, do it, okay. I'll have to do it by myself. So I'll be dri- driving uh, 12 hours. It's almost to Pensacola. Oh, yeah, that is. That's where we did the very first pitmaster at. So I know exactly the travel you'll take. Yes. Well, Jody, I really appreciate it. I'm honored and I'm thrilled to be able to get this out to everybody to listen. I know people's going to learn from it. Thank you, David. Jody, once again, thanks. Everybody, go look her up, follow her, and listen to what this guy has to say here at the end. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.